0: Hey, what's been going on in the camera industry lately? We haven't talked about gear in a long time. So I thought it might be fun to go back and just get some updates on what the major manufacturers have been doing for the last month or two. This is episode 76 of the Shutterbug Life Podcast. Welcome to the Book Life Podcast. This is your weekly photography lifestyle podcast, and we are building a lifestyle around creating great pictures, building an audience, and making an impact with our photos. I'm your host, Linford Morton, but of course you can call me Lynn. And in this episode, I thought it'd be fun to take a look back on industry events and updates. So that's what we'll do in this episode. Okay, here we go. So what what happened in mostly July and a little bit of June. Let's let's just go through some of the top stories from our camera manufacturers. So the first one was a big announcement by Nikon. Nikon said they released it, released the world's fastest 105 mm um, 1. 1.4 portrait lens. Now, wow, by by all the specs, this is just Going to be a lens that produces beautiful portraits and beautiful images. And the thing is, Nikon already had a great 105. I mean, that was one of my favorite Nikon lenses. It was one that I used for portraits as well as it's a macro. It's an f 2.8, so I mean, it was pretty fast already. But now they've doubled down and. Opened it up to another one with 1.4, with a price tag of about two twenty one hundred dollars. Now the old one you can pop; it's about eight seven hundred eight hundred ish. You could probably pick one up for high sixes if you really shop smartly. But this one now is two thousand dollars, and so now when you hear these kind of announcements, you want to know: okay, who is this for? And I'm thinking if this is clearly aimed at a professional portrait photographer, the kind of person who could afford to drop two grand on a single use lens. When I say a single use, I mean all this lens is gonna be used to do is either shoot portraits if if that's what you're doing and as a commercial photographer. And or, I mean, and you could probably find a couple other uses for it, but that's the primary way they're marketing it. So if all you care about is portraits and you could afford to drop two grand on a lens that will only help you shoot portraits better, then it's probably going to be a good option for you. And and it can be enthusiasts as, as well. You, you know, enthused, there are enthusiasts out there who have means and uh, Want to want to get the best, so this might be a good option for you if you if you like the 105 focal length range and you want to get really really clean images. I I think of this almost like the 90 10 rule, and the 90 10 rule is sort of my adopted uh, version of the Pareto principle 80 20 rule. But I think this is probably even more specific than 8020. This is 9010, meaning that for 90% of the photographers out there you won't need what this lens provides. But if you are one of the 10% who can make use of a fast portrait lens like this, you're probably making more than the other ninety percent of the photographers out there who are who are not shooting with it. So there you have it it's it's a very specific, it's very niche. it's a 9010 thing it, it's it really is so anyway that that's my that's my said the 10 percent that needs this technology will probably earn you not, more than 90 percent of the others, okay so that's so that's the the Nikon big announcement in the last month. They released a 105 1.4 the world's fastest portrait 105 lens. Now, the, in the next story, it seems that Canon is going to release a new 24 to 105 lens when they update the 5D Mark III to the 5D Mark IV. Now, Canon shooters know that 5D Mark III is like like really like the creme de la creme on Canon's uh, full frame line. I mean, unless you're getting the the flagship. 1dx and the 5d mark 3 is for most professionals is is good enough and durable enough to do just about anything and and now canon's updating that so you can imagine the excitement that will will, will, will cause and and in addition to that they will also be updating their 24 to 105 which is a great lens if you are shooting canon Full frame. I, I I talk about this with you know many of you when we're on our meetups and photo tours. That if you're looking for a great walk around lens for your Canon, um, your Canon full frame, the 24 to 105 is a great option. If you aren't ready yet to upgrade to the 24 to 70 to 8, That's the 24 to 70 is is you know the the ideal, but it's also. It's a it's a working person's for uh, lens. It's you know it'll hit you twenty three hundred twenty north of two thousand dollars, and so it's usually for people who are. Earning money with their cameras and lenses, but if you are an enthusiast and you're walking around doing travel and street and those kinds of things, and you got yourself a Canon Six D, then you really ought to look at the twenty four to one hundred five. And bonus, they're going to be updating that with a brand new one. So that's even more, even more um, uh, reason to to now go back and consider that. Or, like we said in some of the past episodes, it might be a good time to go get the old 24-105 to because the price on that one might be dropping, and it's still a great lens. So think about how you'd want to approach this strategically, either waiting for the new one or waiting for them to release the new one to pick up the old one at a discount. So that's the Canon announcement. Now, it's... um. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say about this, when I remember now, the other thing I wanted to say is that even though this would be a, it's going to be a uh, an interesting release. When the five D Mark IV comes out, that's really going to dominate the headlines and all the oxygen in the Canon room. So you might have to go look for the lens. To I- I'm guessing they're going to pair it as a as a kit to the five D Mark IV. But if they don't, you may have to go look for it, because I'm guessing a 5D Mark IV uh, release is just going to suck all the oxygen out of the room for for Canon shooters. So, there you have it. Um, about a little more than a month ago, Fujifilm released the X-T2, which is, of course, the upgrade to the X-T1. Now, this is a mirrorless camera, and... For those of you who are thinking about mirrorless camera approaches, this is looking like a really good option. So the X-T1 was a favorite for, so the, the, the Fujifilm camera base is a very loyal and very, Sort of a niche base where they are really just um, passionate about their cameras. It's they have the old uh, retro knobs on on the cameras, and uh, they mimic old Fuji film film styles, and they do a lot of fun and creative things. I took a Fuji um, a small to XT one hundred with me on vacation, and I was very happy with it. And it was it was one that I could just put into my pocket and, uh, and, uh, just, you know, whip it out. And uh, it had a fixed 35 millimeter on that one. And, but it's, it still was a great little camera. Now these are, have, uh, you can swap the lenses out on the X-T one and the X-T two. So you can put different glass on it. Now, one of the things that people are talking about, one of the, the improvements on this one between the X-T1 and the X-T2, one of the big ones, is that it shoots 4K video. And I, I guess if you're into video, 4K has just become the de facto standard. And that just means it's a super high resolution four thousand, you know, Lined pixels, and if, if you care about that, then this is going to be a good option for you, a good upgrade, because the old one didn't shoot video at all. The other thing it has, and I always love this, is that the the LCD screen pops out, and uh, you can pop it out and tilt it up, which is always great if you are shooting something very low to the ground, so you don't have to put your face down, or or shooting high over or something. So that's another thing. And they it had been, the autofocus has also been improved on this one. So, and here's the thing, right? So. This camera has not one, there's no one big thing that it improves, but it just, it's the sum of small incremental improvements. And there are enough of these small incremental improvements that makes this um, an interesting look. Now, who's it for? Now, if you are looking at going to the mirrorless line and, and you know that Sony is one of the ones out there just doing with all of the with all of with a lot of the innovations. But Sony is really staking their mirrorless lines almost exclusively on the full frame format. So you will find that that you know, most of Sony mirrorless cameras are full frame. And when you make it full frame and you attach a lens that you need to shoot full frame, the camera starts to get almost as big as a DSLR. And so, you know, the the use case for mirrorless, in my my humble opinion, it really starts to. Yeah, I, I don't know. It starts to. I, I don't get it. I don't. I don't get why you would go mirrorless and then buy a camera that's just as big as your DSLR. You could just keep your DSLR, but you know a lot of people are getting into that and uh, and they of course see this as a uh as I move forward because of all the other technological improvements in Sony. But the thing about um, Fujifilm, the X-T2 and all of Fuji is that they use the APS-C size sensor. So they've committed to the smaller sensor. And in doing so, now they can keep the the overall footprint of the camera much smaller. So if you're looking for great quality from a much smaller um, camera body then the Fujifilm is going to be one that you might consider. And the, the other thing with Fujifilm is that if you if if you like the old retro look then you'll love Fujifilm for that as well because they just have that a really hipster retro looking camera body series and it 's almost like it's fashion fashionable just to carry it even if you don 't want to take pictures so that's 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 fuji film and and that 's who who it 's for if you want to do mirrorless and you think sony cameras are getting too big for you and if you like the hipster retro look, then you might want to give the new and you you're interested in shooting video, then you might want to give the new x t two a look so there was a big announcement. And uh, uh, there was a big announcement that Verizon b- bought Yahoo, and by extension, Flickr. And so, Verizon is going to be the new owner of Flickr because they 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 bought Yahoo, which also includes Flickr and a Tumblr Tumblr for four point eight three billion in cash. This is like rock bottom now for Yahoo because. Yahoo was once if you if you are old enough to remember they were the bell of the ball at one point um the glory days in January 2000 they were they were valued at 140 billion and then by 2008 they rejected a 44.6 billion dollar offer from Microsoft and now, eight years later, they are stuck with accepting a four billion dollar offer. So, what does this mean? And, and what does it what does this mean for photographers? Well, there have been lots of speculations about what the what Verizon will want to do with um, with with um, Flickr. And if you if you've been shooting for a while, you remember a, a, a heyday when. Everybody had a Flickr account, and everybody used Flickr. And, you know, it, over the last oh, 8 to 10 years, it's sort of fallen out uh, out of the good graces as you have all of the uh, newer social media sharing platforms come up. But I still like Flickr. I, I like Flickr because it's still one of the only platforms where you can... Upload a high-resolution image and see it in high-resolution. You can look at the EXIF data of a, of a photo and see, you know, what the photographer did. And uh, it's, it's, it's one of those where you can also label your your Creative Commons licensing structure. So it's, it's designed to help you license your images a lot better than any of the other platforms, in in my humble opinion. And so if they can harness that and rebuild it, I mean, I hope they can. The, 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 the A lot of the speculation would be, were that hopefully Verizon would sell them off to somebody who cares about photography again and let them breathe new life into it. Or it may just go the way of MySpace and just just become antiquated and disappear, which is sad because, you know, we all have so many pictures there if you have been uploading your photos for a while. I really stopped uploading pictures um, frequently there more than a year ago. So it was just like I I tried to use it with my photo tours. Like in Photo Tour New Orleans, I would try and get um, the attendees to, to upload to a group that I created for them on Flickr. And it was always a struggle to get people to use it because, I don't know, they just... Nowadays, no one wants to use it, and and this past week when I did my photo camp, I, just for kicks, I asked the kids, "Anybody here on Flickr?" And they all gave me the frowny face, like, "What are you talking about?" So, anyway, so that's that, and Tumblr too. You never know what that's going what's going to happen with that. Hopefully, they will they will sell it off to somebody else. But one of the, the messages for photographers is one of my core um you know core pieces of advice is you don't put your photos on someone else's property like that meaning if you're because they have unlimited storage a lot of people use it just as a backup but you know the minute they go away you lose your backup you you're you're almost better off getting yourself a an inexpensive hard drive and backing up there And, and if you are trying to build an image online, you probably want to do this on your own blog and on the website with your own domain.com. So you aren't going to be, you know, held, you know, you're not going to be victimized by, 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 by what happens in social media these days. Keep your photos where you can control them. And keep your images where you can control your images online, because you just never know what's going to happen on social media. Okay, so here is another story. Apple was awarded a patent to disable phone cameras. I I thought this was interesting, because when Apple made such a big stink with the San Bernardino killers that... They weren 't going to give access to disable any of their features. I thought they were really making a stand that this is what their brand was about. But now, looking at this, it just it 's odd because it looks like they 've just gone the opposite way. so this is they said, and i it, it must be because they want to um, pacify their their user base in iTunes and to say hey no we're not going to allow people to come to your concerts and record video there so in in a in a in a in a venue where there's a concert they can ostensibly send out a disabling signal that will stop all the cameras from being able to record disable the camera and it's, it's so interesting because this is the kind of thing that only makes sense if everyone does it. If, if can, if Apple's the only one that, that, that disables my, my camera when I go into a concert, it, it, it actually is less of an, a, a, a selling point for users to go and continue upgrading the Apple path. And I, I say this, but as, as an Apple user, but, I hate to have somebody else disable my, my phone and my camera and, uh Almost like a big brother kind of thing. So you know who who wants that? The other thing when I, I dropped this in the Shuttlebook Excursions Facebook group and got into an interesting conversation, I think with Mike Lennon, he was talking about you know who, who else might get this get this technology gets into the wrong hands. You know what if a terrorist gets the, this disabling? So now they are planning their attacks, and now they can disable all the the cameras around them or police or, or anybody who, you know, just doesn't want to be photographed. If this technology gets into the wrong hands, boy, it, it could really, um, it, letting that genie out of the, the bottle could be something that, um, we, 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 we live to regret. So that's another thing. I just don't, I don't like it. And, uh, I hope they don't go forward with it. it they, they just applied for a patent, so you don't know what's going to come of it. Just because they apply for a patent doesn't mean they're going to try and take something to market. But you never know. All right. Next story. Blind Cam is a wearable camera that takes a photo and you wink. Now, if you ever thought, oh, it'd be so cool to be walking down the street and have my glasses function as a camera. So I just look at something and take a shot. Like this would be great for street photography, right? Because we could take photos without being detected. Well, cam created <laughs> that kind of a camera, but you have to wink to to get the camera to take a picture, which is Kind of interesting. You, you gotta see the video for this. You almost look like you're being flirtatious when you're taking a picture. So if you, if you're worried about the creep factor when you're doing street photography, just wait till you have to wink at somebody to take their photograph. They're really gonna wonder about you now, right? So, but anyway, this is an interesting bit of technology. You wink and it takes a photograph and from your camera and then it it sends it to your iPhone or your 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 mobile phone so that you can um see it there so it's it's kind of interesting i i i thought it was kind of of cool so but but it might be good for street photography or for events one of the uses they they showed i which i thought was really cool is like for instance when a dad was throwing um, the, his toddler into the air and catching him. And, and, of course, you want both of your hands available to catch your child. <laughs> that happens. So he could just take a picture of the child in the air by just winking. I thought, okay, now that's a cool option. You know, you're swinging side by side and you're having to hold on. So there are lots of situations, especially for parents, when you need both your hands available just for safety reasons. But it's still, there are still great moments there that you might want to capture. So this is, I think, a great option for that kind of thing, although it might be a little weird for street photography. All right, an- another story. Peak Design launched their everyday backpack, tote, and sling bags with another Kickstarter. Now, Peak Designs creates these, if you're like me and a lot of other photographers, you probably have a half a dozen camera bags or more because you're always searching for the perfect camera bag. Now, Peak Designs claims that they have created these perfect camera bags. And they launched one oh last year, I think, with Trey Radcliffe, which looked kind of interesting, and the people who bought it really raved about it and Peak design is now sort of earning the reputation of being like the apple of camera bags, meaning their design and uh, and uh, and uh, the design and is really premium and the the usefulness is really premium and so is the pricing. So the, one of the interesting things about this is how they are taking it to market. They've been launching using Kickstarters, which is kind of interesting way, I don't know, it, for a business to to launch a new product rather than taking on the cost of R&D and marketing. And they just go out first and launch a Kickstarter campaign with a real slick video and get all the money in and then they can go out and use that money to create which was really interesting, so Kickstarter they have uh, as of today, their metrics are they have ninety seven seventy three backers almost ten thousand backers they have two point three million dollars in pledged in pledges, and their goal was only five hundred thousand so they 've quadrupled their goal, and they still have thirty five days to go so you know they they're, they're going to be slushing in cash pretty soon and uh, you know, it's it's sort of interesting to see now how they what they do next with it but you ought to take a look at these bags i've been looking at the videos and and really i i started drooling when i saw all the the small and and uh, thoughtful thoughtful improvements they made to regular bags you should check them out Um, and, and I, I think it's cool how they can launch on Kickstarters, which allow, which allows them to really continue creating good stuff. All right. The last story is a fun one. I think it is the, the web's most popular cameras and their settings. So, um, explore cams. collected the metadata and analyzed them from 7 million photos, which were posted on an assortment assortment of websites, including Flickr, 500pix, and pixabay And uh, they published some infographics, which they update on a weekly basis, that tells us a little bit about how we are buying and using cameras. It's it's interesting um, to see. The top five brands to be expected Canon Nikon Sony Apple and FujiFilm in that order I mean that's what I would expect Canon has the the largest uh, share and Nikon close behind and Sony is really nipping at their heels the top 5 cameras cameras Canon is kicking everyone's butt the 5D Mark III is first the 6D the 5D Mark II is next, the Nikon D7100, and then the Canon 7D. So it, it, Canon, all of their all of their full frames are leading the pack. And the only Nikon on the top five list is the D7100, which is an older, it's an older um, um, APS-C size camera, which is interesting that even Can- Canon's older 5D Mark II is still on the list ahead of Anything else that Nikon does, so that's really interesting. The 7D, of course, which is a favorite for sports and and nature photographers. Check this out: the top five lenses, 24 to 105, the Canon F4, naturally, and then the rest of them are almost kit lenses. Nikon 18 to 105. I think this is the kit that shipped with that D7100. So ugh. the 18 to 55 kit lens. Like, are we not buying lenses? canon 50 millimeter f1.8 and then if the and the canon 18 to 55 it's interesting i, I was really surprised to see it so that so many of the top five were, were kit lenses i i would think that we were upgrading you know you, you you're not going to do your best work with a kit lens you're, and I, I talked about this before one of your your first one of your first upgrade paths should be to get that 50 millimeter because for a very small, relatively small investment, you will be able to really get a lot of, uh, of creative and functionality from that lens, a 50 millimeter. Okay, so, and then finally, this I thought was very interesting. The top five ISO settings used were ISO 100 was the most popular, then 200, then 400, then 800, then 1600, which means we're all doing it the way we should, right? We start as low as possible and then we double the ISO until we get to the place where we can take, um, we can safely take a photograph without getting worrying about camera shake. So this is interesting because I, this is interesting to me because so many cameras now are coming out with these really high ISO ranges. So you know, you can you can get I mean 64,000 is, is is nothing anymore. You can get 128,000 and with all these high ranges that are built into new cameras, people are still still defaulting back to ISO 100, which is kind of cool, but it makes me wonder if if um all these high ISO cameras aren't getting used to their capability. It's a sort of an interesting thing to to think about. Anyway, those are the, the, the stories that um, and, and announcements I thought were interesting from the last month or so. Was this helpful, helpful or interesting for you? I've been wanting to do something like this, sort of like a industry wrap-up, either monthly or quarterly or something like that. If you find it interesting or if you'd like to have more of these kinds of things, let me know in the comments or by email or in the Facebook group. You know the places to, 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 talk, to talk with me. All right, so before we go, I just want to let you know that that um the sh- that New Orleans photo tour, fo- photo tour New Orleans is going to be closing down pretty soon. So if you are still holding out hope that you could join me in the Big Easy, then uh, you still can and you still have uh, just a couple weeks left. Now, here's the the, the cool thing. Be- this is like a uh, the kind of excursion where you can get where you can get in enough enough of a range of photographs to really build really build a travel photography portfolio in in just a weekend because we shoot everything from old neighborhoods to old houses to events to people to um out in the bayou and wildlife and you just get a wide range of things to to shoot and uh, you can in that weekend, really get such a wide variety that it, it, it really works out to be the equivalent of getting a, almost a a full a full portfolio of travel photography images in just a weekend. So if you want to see what it looks like, go to t- phototourneworleans.com forward slash best orleans.com forward slash best and see what we created the last time we were there and then shoot me if you want to talk shoot me uh an email or or fill fill out the form there just so we can get a chance to chat and i can answer any questions you might have all right all right that's it Thank you so much for li- joining for another episode of the Shutterbug Life Podcast. Hey, this is so much fun for me. I'm so glad that I get a chance to chat with you every week. And I hope it is helpful for you, too. Now, if you like what we're doing, please and tell a friend, invite a friend, and and you too, if you're not subscribed, can subscribe at shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe or on iTunes at com. If you are on the East Coast, come on out and see us. We're in Washington, D.C. and New York for both meetups and photo tours. So that could be a lot of fun too, and in between, our Facebook group is uh, pretty active with people just sharing and uh, and uh, sharing their images and their insights um, throughout the week. So, so that is fb.shutterbuglife.com, right? So that's it. Thank you so much again for joining me for another week of the Shutterbug Life podcast. I hope you get out and shoot something fun this weekend and uh, take advantage of some of the good weather that we might be getting. Wherever you go, whatever you do, enjoy your Shudderbug life. Take care.